Good morning. No, I'm not Vince, and I'm not preaching, but I just have the privilege of introducing Vince. And I just want to read two passages of Scripture that always remind me of um, the ministry of Long Island Youth Mentoring. Um, The first is from Psalm 68, verses 4 to 6. Uh, Psalm 68, 4 through 6. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And then James 1.27, pure religion that is undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And um, without further introduction, it's uh, Pastor Vince Eppolito or uh, Minister Vince Eppolito with Long Island Youth Mentoring. Morning. I don't know if it's on. Is it on? Did I do it right? Oh, good. Freaks you out standing there right in front of you. Uh, well, good morning. A lot of you I saw last night and this morning at the Bible study, and I'm happy to see you again, those of you that weren't here. Uh, my name is Vince Eppolito, and I have many titles. The most important one is Vince Eppolito, uh, so you could just call me that. Um, and I do serve at Long Island Youth Mentoring along with Christine, and um, we get to do that, and that's how I like to look at it. And uh, Before I forget and preach the word, I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of Long Island Youth Mentoring for uh, a lot of years, 21 years of support and as a church and as individuals, and you guys support the mini golf and some of our activities, and, and uh, we just wanted to say thank you for that. And Essentially what we do, and you'll see this in our message, is we... Uh, assign Christian mentors. We recruit and train and screen Christian adults to meet with kids in challenging circumstances. And, and they would meet with them once a week, hang out, um, do what they do, and share their life uh, and their faith with the, with the young person for a year-long commitment. But uh, um, there is a lot of kids. One thing somebody said this morning, which was interesting, is that they remember when there was like 300 kids on the waiting list. And the sad part about that number is that there would probably be still 300 waiting, but we call the list every year. We call everybody. Some of the kids have gone. Some of the kids have left. Some of the families have moved. Unfortunately, most of the kids that are on our waiting list never get matched. Uh, you know, probably half of the of the 97, of which now 103, because Chris adds them, uh, 103 kids will probably never see a mentor because uh, they'll get gone before we get ready for them. But... Uh, which leads into today, today's uh, message, you know, and uh, when, as soon as I got saved, m- most of you heard, guys heard the story last night, God put me to work, you know, and, and I share with a lot of people that struggle with different issues, and I'll always tell them, if God removes you from something, then find what it is God wants to replace it with, that, you know, that, that if God takes something out of our life, troubles, or an, uh, an addiction or a sin issue, he's going to want to replace it with something from himself. You know, um, so the, if you want to turn your Bible to Romans 12, 
if there um if I had a title, this would be called the the serving Christian, uh, you know, and uh, it's it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, so I'm going to read it, and uh, okay, Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be proven good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. For I say to the grace given, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exerts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy do so with cheerfulness. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So, a couple of interesting parts about this is that uh, I really love this. In, in Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve. That's, that's what we're called to do. That kid is amen in me already. And I'm just getting started. Uh, in the first verse, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. A lot of times this is used by parents when they're talking to the teenagers about dating and things of that nature, that where a body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that we're to present it as a living sacrifice. But I'd say that, you know, it, you have to look back to the Hebrew uh, 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 books and, and, and look at how the old Hebrews used to do it. Is when they presented a sacrifice, it was the entire animal. It wasn't a part of an animal. They would take the animal, they would quarter it, and they would be burned and in the ashes. And every part of it was used. And when, when the Lord talks to us in this thing, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, he's not talking part of us. He's talking that we give our whole selves to him, which, of course, is a ridiculously daunting task when you think about it. I mean, who do I know that gives themselves 100% of the Lord 100% of the time? I like to think I'm a good guy and a good believer and everything like that, but I don't think I could claim that. You know, and I think if we're honest, that would be true. Uh, I think we're all saved to serve him for a purpose, which I was very excited about uh, when, when I not only knew that I wasn't, uh, that I was going to heaven, that, but God had a job for me. Because I like working. I like serving. And when God called me to do some of his business, I was pretty happy that he would use me to do it. And when I got into youth ministry, I was a little shocked that God would use me in the lives of these precious little ones in which he, he touched. But we're all saved for a purpose because he loves us and he wants to spend eternity. But we're all saved for a purpose here, too. We've got work to do. You know, and uh, I think the, the big part of this uh, scripture verse is that present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It is your reasonable service. It's, if you think about what the Lord gave up for us, you know, give, serving him part of the time, doing whatever it is, ushering, eldering, that's nothing. 
if you think about it, I mean, he gave it all for us. And he's not asking for all of it back. He wants us to present ourselves to his plan. And we should carry out his plan in our workplace, in our family, in our church. But he's calling us to serve. Um, the other day, we were talking a- about to my 15-year-old, uh, which he, we, we adopted, and um, talking to him about tithing. You know, and, uh, and so, he, so he's, he's on board now because he, he feels good about it. He gives a, a, a tithe from his allowance to the church, which we're trying to teach him to do. Um, and then we talked about the Easter egg hunt that's coming up. And, and he says, well, I'm not sure if I want to do it. I says, well, it's not something that we really, I says, Charlie, you have to find something to do in the church. He said, why? I says, because I'm a believer that we not only tithe of our finances, but we tithe of our time, too. That we're connected to one another as a, as a church body. And, and even us, you're at New Village Church. I'm at Access Church down the road. Uh, we are one body. And each one of the body has to do its part. And, and, uh, and we're, spo- we're called to tithe our time as well. Um, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world will tell us to go live and do what we want to do. You should be, they'll say, you be you. You know, which I think we should, I should be me. But I should be me for the Lord. I shouldn't be me for me. And that's the big challenge. Go get all you can get. Go you know, get what you deserve. Uh, I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the line, people begin to feel entitled to things. Uh, you know, I, I deserve this or I deserve that. And, and I'm real glad I didn't get what I deserve. You, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about the fact that God's mercy has avoided I didn't get what I deserve. And everything I do get is amazing uh, because God has given it to me. Um, I think succeeding at all costs, you know, it's coming up to tax season and I have a, a Christian accountant who does my taxes and, and he always, uh, he calls me PV, uh, cause I was a pastor at his church and I guess pastor Vince is just too long for an accountant. So he shortens it and he says, PV, I gotta tell you, I can't tell you how many Christians want me to fudge their taxes. You know, and I was like, really? You know, don't tell me who they are you know, and don't tell me what church they go to. But it, it's just—it's real easy to get caught up in the thing where, oh, the government is taking too much of my money, and the government shouldn't be in charge of all that other stuff. But you know, we're called that we shouldn't be transformed by the world. It's the Lord's money anyway; he'll he'll give it back. He'll find a way to get back to us. Um, the next part I think I really like in verse three. It says, "Through the grace given me, that everyone is among you, don't think more highly." Then you ought to think, but think soberly has dealt each one of you a measure of faith. It's real important that we remember that when God uses us to do something, it's him that's doing the doing. It, he's just using us. He's working through me, but it's, he, get, he did it. You know, I, I, people, when, when I preach and they say, well, that was a good message. You know, and, I, and I say, thank you, Lord. Thanks for letting me be part of it. Because God does all this everything that's good that I've ever done uh, came from the Lord and, and he's the one that does it we can't I remember when I first got saved I was overwhelmed by the fact that I was in ministry so quickly and it was about two years two and a half years after I got saved I was in full-time ministry and I was a little overwhelmed by that but about a, about two years later when I got on staff at Youth for Christ I became a little bit full of myself you know I think that I became like 
Vince from Youth for Christ. You know, like there was a, there, I mean, it was just, I mean, I'm Vince from Youth for Christ. You know, and it was just, I got a little bit full of myself. You know, and uh, I would have these one-man retreats in my house where I would just take a weekend and I wouldn't listen to anything or watch anything other than maybe some worship music in my Bible. And I would just, and that was time to me not talk as much as just let God speak to me. And, and, and he says, and, and he sh- kind of showed me, you're still the Vince that I brushed off from that car that morning, that desperate man crying out from the depths. You're that guy, that, and your power comes from me. And he reminded me of that. And, and uh, after that, I became, you know, it was a process, but I, I really just trust in the Lord. But what was amazing about that story is that the, the, the less that I feel that I can do, the more he can do through me. Because I rely on him. People ask you, you still get nervous before you speak? I says, I, I don't know if nervous is the right word because I always know that God's going to come through, but I never feel prepared enough. Uh, you, know, I, I, uh, you know, but I know that God will fill in the gaps. He'll say what, I, what he wants to say, and I just I have to do it. So that we need to think, no, uh, you know, I shouldn't think that I should be this or I should be that or I should be advanced. And we had a lot of movement at, at as youth mentoring, people are saying, are you going to be the new this? Are you going to be the new that? Are you going to be the new staff? And I said, no, I'm going to be the same me. I'm, I, I love what I'm doing, and, and I don't, I don't want to do anything else. You know, um, I, I am ordained and have been uh, different roles at churches for a long time, and, and they say, well, when are you going to become a senior pastor? I'm like, never. You know, but that's not what the Lord called me to do. And, you know, I could people uh, sometimes think because you have this or that education that I should be this or I should be that or so I could sing better than Stephanie. I should be up there and, 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 and stuff. I, I don't know if anybody can. Uh, nobody said that, Stephanie. Just so you know. Uh, but, but no, we're supposed to be where God puts us to. Oswald Chambers says it's not our place to find out where we're useful to the kingdom of God. Well, God will put his people where they are most used to him. And sometimes it doesn't look any sense. Those of you guys that heard my sweeping the floor story last night know that that didn't feel right to me, but this is what God wanted to do. He says, go sweep the floors, and then he'll grow me up from there. And we do need to be willing to do whatever he calls us to do. Um, When he talks about that measure of faith, each one of the gifts, each one has gifts according to the measure of faith given to them. See, when we... When we get saved, I believe we all start off with a certain amount of faith. You know, I, I can believe God for this. You know, and, and when we were talking this morning uh, about the, the Psalms, one of the guys said that, you know, um, he's, he looks back and he looks forward, he looks back and he looks forward. And I think that's an important thing, is that I have to look back and see what he did so that I can look ahead and see the next thing he's going to do. He did this, he can do that. So we start off small and we believe the Lord for a little bit. If you honestly grab a hold of that first moment where you first believe, that's kind of a really big one, is that I was going to hell and now I'm not. That's, that's the biggest of all things. And, and, and uh, David talks in Psalms earlier on after his big trialing time. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I get tired and weary. I say, just restore to me that moment when I first believed and help me get that energy back. To, 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 to where I first believed. And, and uh, the measure of faith thing, I think, is interesting, too, because we, we all start, and it has to grow from there. 
people say, well, you know, I, I have faith. Like there's a, a box of faith. You know, it's not, it's not a certain amount. It's, a, it's an amount that should always grow. You know, it, 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 if we're walking towards the Lord, our faith will, will grow. And, and the faith and the grace that's given to us is, is a finite amount at first, but it's not supposed to stay that way. And we're supposed to continually grow and change as things go on. I, I like to think about it like, like a printer cartridge. When you buy a printer, you'll get a printer cartridge, right? And I don't know how many of you guys have bought a printer and got the cartridge, but you, when you get the cartridge and you put it in, you'll soon realize that it's not a real cartridge. It has a starter amount of ink just to get you to use it. Is I don't know why they do that. I think they just want you to buy another cartridge. But that's kind of like how I feel. Is that when we're, we first believe we're giving a starter amount of faith and we're supposed to go out and refill it. We're supposed to go out and, and build up again. That If you're going to rely on that initial amount and we don't continually build and grow, and that's why it says do not be conformed to this world, be transformed you know, uh, by the word. That's the important part of it. In verse 4 and 5 it talks about, for as many have many members in one body, they don't all have the same function. And boy, I thank the Lord for that. When I, when I got uh, saved, I was uh, a single man, and uh, I was saved and single for 12 years, and um, I was praying, you know, for the person that the Lord had for me, and uh, I was praying for somebody that uh, would laugh at all my jokes and uh, think I was right all the time and love the New York Yankees. Um, and I got one of those three. Uh, my wife pretty much laughs at all my jokes. Um, she <laughs> would, uh, but I thank the Lord that I didn't get what I wanted because, you know, I, I think it's important that everybody doesn't have the same job. My wife and I are not the same. That's why we work. You know, I need her to tell me you need to look at it a different way. We need each other and the gifts that we have to make this church run. Some people need to sing. Some people need to preach. Other people need to, 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 to count the money. Other, everybody needs one another. We're connected to one another. Without one of us, the thing doesn't work. I mean, that's, that's the important part of it. There's an, there's an old uh, 1600 thing that says, an expression, a lot of you guys have heard it, for whom the bell tolls, it, it tolls for thee. And, and what, what that expression meant was is that when somebody passed away in the town, uh, they would ring the bell. And, 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 and people would ask, who is the bell ringing for? And, and the writer is saying, it's ringing for all of us because a part of us is gone. So one of us leaves, then a piece of us is missing. So we are definitely connected to one another. And, and it's important for each one of us to figure out what God would have us do. Um, starting with the measure of faith, starting with sweeping the floor, starting with whatever. I'm not sure what God wants each one of us to do, but I'm sure we're supposed to figure it out, you know, and, and it's great, uh, whatever it is. Uh, in proportion to the faith we have, and I think that's the last part of this particular verse that we're supposed to serve in proportion to the faith we have. Sometimes we can be limited by what we believe God can do through us. I think that's a challenging thing. And I shared with some of you guys last night that, that I've struggled with substances because I never felt good about, you know, I, like I couldn't tell jokes. I was afraid when I got sober that I wouldn't be funny anymore, you know, because I didn't trust what, what God had given me. But I had to believe that God had a good plan for me. 
and I had to, I, I just had to keep moving forward. And I find it interesting that I, I think I'm probably more funny and, uh, as a sober person, and I, I just thought I was funny before, but nobody, nobody really knew, you know. But uh, I think that we need to know what God wants us to do. And it talks about the different gifts in prophesying. Let us do that. Let us ministry. Let us do that in teaching. And it talks about giving, which I think is important because they cover all the bases. Some of us can't do, you know, certain things. And and our job is to is to support those that can to pray for. I I love that you got a couple of guys going to different countries and and doing ministry. Some of us can't do that. And our job is to support them, pray for, and financially support those that can. Verse 8, it says, in exhortation, uh, he who gives liberality, he who leads, do so with diligence. I think diligence is one of the lost words of our century, you know, uh, of, of, of this generation, is that people don't do diligence anymore. They just, they give it a shot. They'll, they'll try. Let me, I'll try this. And, and they won't try it for long. God called us to be diligent. Whatever he called us to do, we just got to keep going at it. Just keep putting our hands at the plow. We can't bail out early. I think about the Lord. I mean, he diligently chased me for 33 years of my life. He was there. As I look back over those years before I knew him, he was there all the time. And, and he never stopped looking for me. And that's the same thing that we're supposed to have. When we're called to do God's work, Whatever it is, we're called to do it diligent, diligently. In Luke 12, it says, Blessed are the servants whom the master, when he comes, find them watching. For assuredly, I say that he will gird himself, sit down, and eat when he will come and serve them. So when, in, in this particular verse, he's talking about it. He wants that like, the, the Lord is our master, and, and we need to be expecting his return. Not that they're sitting at a chair staring out the window. It's that they're getting themselves ready for, for when he's coming back. You know, Chris has heard me say this a number of times at the office. I'm 62 now. I feel pretty young. Uh, and, and, uh, but I know there's a clock. I, I know that I probably got about another eight, ten years of, of full-time ministry before I'm going to have to take it down a notch. You, you know what I mean? But I am determined to get as much ministry out of those eight or ten years as I possibly can. And I mean, uh, it's just, it feels like the opposite of when I first got saved. When I first got saved, I made up for the first 33 years that I wasted. And now I'm trying to get as much in there before the Lord you know, s- slows me down as I possibly can. Because the message I carry is a message of eternal life. The message that we all carry. And it doesn't matter how you carry it. I get to do it with a microphone sometimes. Sometimes I get to do it while we play dodgeball uh, you know, at, the, at the ministry center. And sometimes I get to do it by just hanging out with a, with, a, with a person or a young person at, at a McDonald's and just listening to them. You know, Paul's ministry was pretty interesting, too, is that he went and he did a lot of convicting of the churches. But in all of his letters, he writes, I long to be with you. I long to see you again. Uh, I often pray for and care you. And, he's, and that's repeated over and over again. And Paul is talking about having relationship with people. He talks about in Thessalonians that I will share not only the gospel, but my life as well. And that's what we're called to do with one another. We share our lives with one another. And that's what serving God looks like, is sharing your life as a, as a fellow believer or sharing your life with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. I think that's important too. 
Now, if you have a problem with a particular thing, maybe you don't want to hang out at that particular place. But we do need to be around people that don't know the Lord. Otherwise, who are we being a light to? When I, when I got saved, I swung from this place of substance abuse and darkness all the way over to the, to the other side where I didn't do anything that wasn't Christian. Like, I wouldn't watch TV. I wouldn't listen to any music if it wasn't Brooklyn Tabernacle or something like that. I, would, I swung completely over. People would tell me they're watching this Survivor thing, and I'm like, get away, you sinner. You know, I, I just really swung way, way over to the other side to, to the point to where I had eliminated everybody who wasn't a believer out of my life. And then as a Youth of Christ staff member, we went on this conference, and this, this guy got up, and he says this, he said, uh, uh, stand, uh, everybody stand up. He said, stand, sit down if you have uh, uh, so many friends, unsaved friends. And, and everybody sat down until, he says, uh, you know, remain standing if you have one or less Christian friends. And I was still standing. And he says, well, I hate to do this to you. He says, but I got to ask you guys that are still standing. There was like 2,000 people there. It was about 12 of us standing. I felt, at first, I thought I was in a good place. And then he says, I got to tell you, he says, I got to ask you guys that are still standing. <clears throat> he says, I'm going to have you sit down before I do, but you know who you are. So he had to sit down, so this way everybody wasn't looking at us once he said it. He says, if you have one or less unsaved Christian friends, then who are you sharing the gospel with? You know, who are you bringing this light to? Who are you being a light to if you don't have any acquaintances or friends outside of the church? You know, and at that, at that point, I felt really convicted, and that's when I joined uh, the gym, which is a, a lot of unsafe people at the gym. You know, uh, I joined the gym, and we, me and my friend who from the church would sit in the whirlpool for hours. We called it whirlpool witnessing. And, and, and <laughs> we'd be all pruny and everything. But, but it's like, and, it's, and we're a pretty Catholic area, right? And this is over in Copenhagen. And, and guys come in wearing a cross. There's the line. There's the opening. So you got a cross on, huh? You got a church you go to? So then we, then of course he, then they get up and leave whenever they want. Uh, and then when they got up and left, we went in the cool pool and cooled off for a minute. Got back in there waiting for the next guy. And 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 I also went back to AA meetings where the higher power is not named. And, and I began to put a name on it until until I slowly but surely got kicked out of every AA meeting that would have me, you know, because. The higher power, it's not Jesus, it's, it is Jesus. So, so I stopped going there and I went to another one. I was working the circuit on speaking at uh, Alcoholics Anonymous anniversaries for a while. And that's the Jesus guy, don't invite him. You know, but I think we're just called to do everything we're called, everything we could possibly do. That's what diligence is. Wake up, what can I do for you today, Lord, and do it. And I'll put this to you as I begin to transfer into, into the youth mentoring portion of it is that I was at a church not too long ago, and they were having a recruitment Sunday. And, uh, and they had signs and posters everywhere, and they had, it's one of those cool modern churches with all the cool uh, screens all over the place. And they had these signs. They looked like signs, but of course they're on the screen. And, and it said, we need, and there was this long list, children's, ca children's uh, church workers, ushers, greeters, uh, parking lot guys, security, it was this huge list of things they need. And then they crossed out the word need and put in the word get to be. And that just changed the whole way I looked at it. And, and I would tell you that there is an opportunity out there. We get to be ambassadors for Christ. We get to be ushers. 
We get to count the money in God's house. We get to sweep the floors in God's house. We get to clean the bathrooms in God's house. That's what we get to do. How, uh, what a blessed position it is to be of service to the God who died for us. And, and, I, and that's really the way I look at it. When we pray at staff meeting, uh, and I'm always in awe of the fact that I can't believe that I get to serve God all day, every day. You know, and, and um, I told this story last night about how I came into full-time ministry about two and a half years after I got saved, and I haven't worked a day since. You know, we work hard. It's, you know, this is, I've worked all weekend, right? I've been serving, and, but I don't look at it that way. I look at it as God died for me, and I'll do everything I can to show him how much I love him and to do what he's called to me. And I don't feel like it as a burden as much as it is an honor. I get to help him reach children who he loves very much. Sid mentioned it earlier that we would look after the children's and the orphans. That's an awesome responsibility and an awesome privilege. When I first got uh, signed up at youth mentoring, uh, I was told that I wasn't ready. So uh, they said no, and um, which puts me in a great spot because I'm that guy now. I'm the guy that screens and trains the volunteers and decides whether or not they're ready. So I can always tell them, listen, when I first signed up, they said no. You know, and, and guys will say, well, listen, I, I did this, that, and the other thing. And, and I go, so do I. I did that too. But it's okay. God can work through you. You know, and, and I think it's important that we understand that, you know, we get to do these things. And it, it is a privilege. Nobody has an entitlement to be anything. You know, if you're an elder at the church, I think that you know that it, it's an honor to be an elder. It, it's also a responsibility. Nobody's entitled. I've been here for 12 years. I should be an elder by now. Maybe you don't get the skills for an elder. People used to say to me when I was on staff at my church, you know, you've been, you've been assistant senior pastor for a really long time. Isn't it time for you to, are, are you the uh, heir apparent, they said. I said, no, I'd be heir Jordan before I'd be heir apparent. I'm... <laughs> it's just not my calling. You know, I'm supposed to be where God wants me to be, and he has a special place for each one of us. Some of the reasons that we don't serve is that we're afraid to fail. Failing is called learning. You know, I, you know we, we at Youth Mentoring have made, we had this giant book. A lot of it was written by Larry, Larry Robb. And you guys, if you know Larry, you'll know that he writes everything down, you know, uh, and, and we have made every mistake under the sun at Long Island Youth Mentoring. And, and, but we don't do them again because we learn from them and we move on. So serving because we don't think we're, we're, we'll, we're afraid of failing, that's not a good enough reason not to serve. I think uh, we don't feel like we have the particular gifts. I think we're not really capable of understanding what God wants to do through us until we start walking. You know, um, they, 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 it's been said that God speaks in a still, small voice. And sometimes he's just urging you. And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to talk to you about mentoring. And maybe God is tugging a couple because I think I should probably mentor one of these kids. And, and then, and then if, you, if you're not careful, you'll allow yourself to talk yourself out of it. You know, uh, let God decide. Because where he's going to take you is going to be a cool place. Sometimes we think the problems are too big. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a kid in this day and age. I nobody does. I, I used to think I understood young people, but this is a different time period. And, and, and uh, 
even if me and the young person has the identical family background, I'll still not know what it's like to be a nine-year-old in the year 2023, post-COVID, post-9-11, post-school shootings. None of that happened when I was a kid. The biggest fear we had when I was a kid is that the high school bully would beat you up, you know, and then, you know, then you'd have to find a way to, to handle that. Uh, but now this is a different world. So at Youth Mentoring, what we do is we'll match a Christian adult like, like yourself up to a young person. And you just go out and be you. Go out and have time. There is no age limit on this. And a lot of people think that how is the kid going to relate to me? To be honest with you, these kids are in challenging, desperate situations, and they don't care who it is or how old they are. So of course they want a 22-year-old young person who drives a Mustang. But they'll take anybody that's going to give them the time. What they want is somebody to care for them. What they need is somebody in their corner. What they need is somebody telling them truth and hope. I was going to show you a video about Adam and Rohan, but uh, the video thing's not working. But I'll tell you a different story to give you an example of it. There was a young girl. Her name was Mariah, and she was eight years old. She was the cutest little young lady that I, I've probably ever seen. She was just a little giggly, flowery young girl. And uh, her mom was developmentally challenged and worked as a helper at, at Friendly's. Her dad was in, in, in prison, uh, and she lived in uh, the upstairs of the store in Bayshore. Uh, but she was just a, a cute little girl. And then there was a, a girl from my church, uh, uh, that, uh, and she was a trainer at the gym with me. And this, this lady from my church, Jennifer, she couldn't stop talking about how good God was. She just loved the Lord. But when I talked to her and I said, listen, why don't you think about being a mentor? She said, oh, no, I'm not good at that. I wouldn't be good at that. You know, she always undersold how God could use her. She didn't think that she'd be good as a mentor. So she's my trainer at the gym, and, and I was like 380 pounds at the time, and she talks me into doing a 5K at midnight on February 28th at the airport in Farmingdale. So it was a leap year thing, so it wasn't really the end of the month, so we were running into the February 29th. So I said, I tell you what, if I finish that 5K, you'll at least come to the training class for youth mentoring. So she, she went for it, and it took me like an hour to finish that 5K, you know, the first lap around the airport, uh, I got to the, I got to the front again, and everybody was cheering. I'm like, man, this is an encouraging group. But I didn't realize is that the winner of the 5K was coming up behind me when, 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 when I was finishing my first lap. You know, so by the time we left, nobody was there. We ran, they had turned the lights out because we ran around the runway. Uh, they had turned the lights out already because no one else was there. But I finished it. And she had to come to the orientation. She decided to be a mentor. And I matched Jen and Mariah up. And, and Jen's big thing was, because she was a trainer at the gym and she loved the Lord so much, she, do, she would always say, you're going to be something great. You're going to be amazing. I can't wait to see what you become. And Mariah would always say, oh, stop. I'm going to work at Friendly's like my mom. And she had, so she said, oh, maybe I'll go to work at 7-Eleven. And she, and, but Jen met with her every single week and that was the same message that they went to the arboretum they just did things that they did together and and, and she just kept saying you're going to be something great you're going to be amazing i can't to see what, i can't wait to see what god does with you <clears throat> and this went on you know a, as she turned the corner and went into middle school she began to think that she might be able to do something when she turned the corner and went into high school she was thinking there's a decent chance that she can get a further education than that 
By the time she finished high school, there was nothing going to stop her from going to college. Uh, uh, when she went through college, um, she went to SUNY Farmingdale, um, and then she graduated, and now she has a master's degree in social work, and she works at the same agency that referred her to us when she was eight. And that's all because she had one lady in her corner saying, God's got a good plan for you. You're going to be something great. Every kid needs somebody in their corner. You know, and, and, you know, we could talk about parents and, and things of that nature, but, you know, I don't look down on any of the parents that we deal with because we're a couple of generations away from people being taught how to be good parents. I mean, we all know that, that we have kids, there's no instruction book anyway. All we have is what we've seen through our growing up, and, and, and that has deteriorated quite a bit as far as family values go. But I'll tell you that right now we have 103 kids on a waiting list that says, well, somebody come and tell me that I'm okay? Will, will somebody care enough about me? I liken it to, a lot of times we say, I, I like to share the gospel, but I don't know who to share the gospel with. Well, I have 103 kids that says, will somebody come tell me about Jesus? You know, and that's an important thing. I have 37 children within 15 miles of this building. We have, uh, out of the 103 kids, about 80 of them, uh, I knew the number exactly on Thursday, but Chris added some more kids in, in, in every day, uh, at least three or four a week. Uh, more moms are calling, more kids are calling, wanting a mentor. Most of them are boys. And, and so there is a, a huge need for, for males to, to do it. It's two to four hours a week. Going back to the first verse that we talked about, I beseech you, brethren, that you give yourselves as a living sacrifice. This is what that looks like. It's two to four hours a week. It's not a lot to ask, you know. That being said, not everybody's called to do this. I, you know, I, I've always said I don't talk people into mentoring. I'm not going to guilt people into mentoring. I, I, I help people make decisions. You know, I, I will say you need to pray about it and find out. And if you're interested, you can sign up in the back. But these kids are waiting for somebody to tell them about the Lord. And we can change the world. One child at a time. You know, so I think it's an important thing uh, to pray about. And the other benefit is, is that there is no... Elizabeth Elliot was the uh, wife of Jim Elliot. Some of you guys know the... So I think it was called Tip of the Spear or End of the Spear. It was a movie where they went to the uh, Amazonian jungle and um, they were going to share that gospel with a tribe that didn't know anything about... Uh, Jesus or, or anything about anything really they were a, a rainforest tribe um, and uh, there were five men and their wives and, and uh, the native people killed all five men so the rest of the ladies got to packing up and getting ready to move out and Elizabeth Elliot the Lord had spoke to her and said you're not done yet so she stayed and the five uh, wives stayed and they shared the, the gospel w with this uh, with this tribe, and, and, they, and later that tribe got saved. And I got the opportunity to see the, the, the guy who, who actually killed her husband and Jim Elliott's grandson uh, together uh, on tour. And, and uh, Elizabeth Elliott, was, she's been gone home to be with the Lord. She was signing her book at this particular event, and, uh, and she had a quote in her book, and I wanted her to sign it by that quote. And it says, there is no greater place than doing what God has called you to do and knowing that you're doing it. 
And so when God calls you to do something, there is nothing greater that you'll ever feel in your heart and yourself than, than knowing that God has called me to do this and I'm doing it. I may not be great at it. I may be unsure about myself, but it is an amazing feeling to know that God has called me to do this. And that's how I feel uh, on a regular basis, that I get to do this. I'm perfect every day, but I get to do it. And I would tell you that God has something for you to do. I don't know if it's this. You know, it, it could be mentoring. It would be great if it was. Uh, but I know it's something. And I know it doesn't end when we, you know, apply for Social Security. I, I, you know, w uh, when my six or eight years just means full time, um, that means after that I'm probably going to only work three days a week or something and buy a camper. I, I don't know. but And then probably share with the the people at the campsite. You know, last year I went to the campsite, I don't know, it was like three years ago. I went to the campsite and they found out I was a pastor. They asked me to baptize their son on the river. And when you're serving the Lord, it follows you everywhere. And it's such a great blessing. So I'm going to pray in, in a second and ask you to consider being a mentor. And don't disqualify yourself because you don't feel like you have enough time or the skills or, or that you're too old. Um, but I want to read you something. And... These are the names of the kids that are waiting in your area. So Melissa, Natalie, Jasmine, Kamora, Johan, Jacelyn, Stephanie, Madison, Amara, Joel, Emmanuel, Ava, Isaiah, Tiana, Christian, Quentin, Tatiana, Cody, David, Tristan, Tyrese, Danelle, Brandon, Christopher, Nova, Emmanuel, Audrey, Darius, Jeremiah, Leah, Benito, Anaya, Charlotte, Samuel, Joseph, Abigail, and Ryan. The Lord, maybe put one of those kids on your heart. You can see me afterwards. If you're just interested and you have questions, you can see me afterwards. But uh, I'm going to pray that the Lord would speak to you and uh, you would find what he has for you because I'll tell you that what Elizabeth Elliot said is true. There is no greater place than knowing what God wants you to do and knowing you're doing it. You know, I, uh, there was a scene from Chariots of Fire that, that uh, the, the, the English guy, was a Scottish guy was supposed to be a preacher and his family saying, you're supposed to stay here and preach. He says, no, I'm supposed to run. He was an Olympic runner. A and he said to her, when, when I, I'm not going to do the fake Scottish accent, but he says, when I, when I, when I run, I could feel God's glory. When, when we serve him, we could feel God's presence and his power. And that's really the best time. I could, I could feel it when I'm sitting on the beach taking a vacation too, but it's not like it is when you're serving him and you're out there in the field or meeting with a kid. You could really feel his presence. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you so much for each member here. I thank you that uh, you have a perfect plan for them. Uh, you have a, uh, a job for each one of us, Lord, and maybe it's a greeter, maybe it's an usher, maybe it's long line youth mentoring, maybe it's lighthouse missions or the Soundview Pregnancy, Lord, we just ask that you would bless them uh, right now, that the Holy Spirit would come and speak to them and find out uh, what it is you've called us to do. Um, and that while we're here um, and walking in your kingdom in, in, in this earth, uh, we're not done yet. We're not done until we're home with you. And there are more people for us to share about your wonderful grace. So we just ask your blessing. We ask you to speak clearly to us. I ask your blessing on this congregation that you would touch them and lead them as they turn the corner into this exciting new uh, place they're going uh, with, with getting a new pastor and, um, and that you have a plan for this body 
as well as every individual in it. And I ask that you would reveal that plan, that they would be sure and they would run uh, towards the plan because their faith would be that strong. So we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for sending your son to die for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.